here, Kingsworthy, North Site, and last week the combined uh, gathering of adults and children, so that's that everyone was well over 500 p- people, you know, 520 or something, 30, which is quite exciting because uh, it, it, being here, as I was last week, you didn't notice the others gone, really, <laughs> and over there there were another 120 or something with children. So it's exciting, but for me, as a preacher, I've got about 30, 35 minutes, and I should disappear and leave you to Lydia and Phil, as you'll have time to worship and respond. But I want us to really listen to the Word of God this morning. It's an important passage. We're looking at everyone's invited um, uh, series, and I, I just want to say that this idea of an open invitation is very conscious and deliberate, obviously, not just in the preach, but in what we've got ourselves organized to do. So today, for example, there is lunch, as you've already heard, here and uh, to the Kingsworthy North Site, and that's an open invitation for everyone, literally everyone who's here. Please feel free to stay to lunch. Please do, if you can, in fact. And then uh, we have got the Alpha Taster coming up on 19th of March. I might mention that in passing again later. And then just to remind you, if you're a part of our church family here, we've, we've decided to call the 24th of March Making Room Sunday, where we are going to open our homes or perhaps invite a friend for a walk or a lunch or be hopefully hospitable to friends and neighbours. And that's part of our whole thinking about open invitation and everyone's invited. And the parable we're going to look at now is very much on that theme. So I'd like you, if you've got a Bible, to turn to Matthew 22. It's going to be actually verses 1 to 14, not 11 to 14. Matthew 22, and I'm going to read it to you. Um, And it's quite a punchy parable. It's actually quite a powerful one. Remember, parables are stories that Jesus told. They're they're made up, if you like. They're They're not what really happened anywhere. They're illustrative stories, but they illustrate real truth. They are not concentrated doctrine in the sense that every line is doctrinal. They carry one or two, or maybe more, in this case I think more than one or two, powerful truths and are illustrating them and with punch and impact into our lives. So I hope we'll find that is true this morning and we'll learn from it. So this is one of the parables Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son and he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet." Now, I just want you to notice, actually, these people have now had three invitations by implication. Verse 3, they had been invited, and then they were asked to come, and then he sent another third uh, invitation. Quite a a powerful, repetitive invitation. But, verse 5, they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. 
and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Now this is a powerful parable and we need to just notice who tells us it. Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's son, the son of God. God manifest in the flesh. So this is a story straight from the heart of heaven. This comes right from the throne of heaven It's from someone who knows what they're talking about at the very core of everything. And it is a picture. Parables are pictures. They're illustrations. They're they're not allegories. It's not every bit means something. But they are vivid pictures. But they are not irrelevant pictures. So in other words, what they are a picture of is in harmony with what they say. That's common sense, isn't it? So, you know, it's not like these are irrelevant pictures. Oh, we can forget about the outer darkness and the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, we can forget. No, no. No, there is relevance to the picture. It has power. It is a picture, but it is a picture of a truth. Now, we're actually only going to have time to look at a few of those truths. In fact, I want to look at three amazing truths today, and I want you to get these into your heart. I feel they are three important, clear truths about God and his kingdom which come from this parable. And the first one is this. The kingdom of God is described as a wedding banquet, right? That's stating the obvious, isn't it? It's described as a wedding banquet. But just stop and think for a moment. I think the average person uh, in our nation, or probably this has been true for, for many years, would not immediately think of being a Christian and going to church as being part of a great big wedding celebration. It's not the immediate image that comes to people's minds. They often think being a Christian is going to be miserable and restricting and heavy and rather joyless. That is the caricature, but it has some roots, sadly, in truth, in how churches have behaved, how Christians have behaved, and the impression we've sometimes sometimes given. But this is not what the Bible says about heaven and the kingdom of heaven. This is not how it is in the presence of God. It is certainly not what was true of Jesus, who was the greatest and clearest expression of the Father of God. Jesus spent quite a bit of time eating and feasting. Just read through the Gospels. Even his first miracle was performed at a wedding feast, and the miracle was turning 180 gallons of water into the best wine. That's quite an interesting demonstration of something about the kingdom of God. And, and the, the, the guy, and these weddings went on for days, by the way, and the, and, and the guy's saying, wow, why did you keep the best, the, the MC or whatever he's called, why did you keep the best wine till last? And there was plenty of it. And Jesus was accused of being a, a, you know, a wine-bibber and a glutton and going round with the wrong people and all that sort of thing. That's not just Jesus, though. If you read your Bibles carefully, you read your Old Testament and your New Testament right through to Revelation, quite a dominant motif, a dominant picture of the kingdom of God is a celebratory banquet. It's a big banquet. It's a celebration. It's a wedding banquet. That is a valid picture of God's kingdom. And we all need to get it into our spirits. It's not about looking really miserable. 
looking as though we're baptized in lemon juice, you know, looking as though everything's painful and awkward and we just put up with it because we hope we're going to get to heaven and the rules, you know, are tough, but it's worth keeping them. And All that nonsense, that's never the picture of the church, the kingdom of God. It's not what we pick up, we read carefully in the New Testament and it's certainly no hint of that about the age to come. It's going to be joy, it's celebration, it's free offer of free food, eating and drinking, without paying, laughing, smiling. What is in a big wedding benefit banquet? It's community. It's joy together. There's laughing. There's dancing. There's talking. There's lingering in each other's company. There's celebration of love. That's what goes on at a wedding banquet. And it is one of the most, as I say, dominant pictures in the whole Bible of the kingdom of God. And it's an appropriate picture. The gospel is a free invitation to a wonderful celebration, an eternal celebration in the presence of God, an eternal experience of joy. Isn't that good? For all ages and all types in a big community, a joyful wedding banquet. That's what God wants you to get about his kingdom and what it is to be in his presence. I don't know if you think about heaven, even as Christians, but I think we can have a bit of a funny view. We can think maybe, again, it's a bit like we, we, it's going to be an eternal worship service. Well, it's going to be worship, but it's not, a, it's not like just a very long West Point or something like that. I, I mean, or, or even you say, well, I don't like, you know, like the cathedral. You're not going to get there and find you're on the 50 millionth row and the 3,000th one in. You know, you go, oh, excuse me, sorry. Yeah, mind your feet. Oh, ask you. And somehow you're going to be in there, you know, and you're just going to recognize, oh, you died three years before me, didn't you? Oh, you died just now. Oh, hello. Yes, well, what's going on? I hope there's a big screen at the front. That, that is not the image in the Bible. It's not. It's not, it's not uh, anything like that. It is a big celebration. Where, you know what weddings are. People move around. We even had a minor celebration yesterday of, of uh, Angela Smith's birthday, 70th birthday. And oh, you eating together and then you mingle round and you mix and you celebrate and there's things you rejoice in together. This is the model. This is the picture God wants you to have of his kingdom. It really is a very positive one or a huge best wedding banquet you could ever imagine and beyond and all sorts of other aspects actually which if I had time I could talk about but that is the the parabolic picture that's the vivid picture for you to have here's the second of the three truths I want you to get God wants people to join him at his banquet now again this is seems to be stating the obvious but actually it's a very important obvious God wants people to join him at his banquet let me tell you a little secret God is not trying to find ways to keep people out of heaven. God is not up there scratching his head thinking, how can we keep this down to as the minimum possible? You know, how can we set the bar a bit higher to make a few more trip over it? God wants his house full. That is clear here in this particular parable, which when you read other versions in in Luke, and I mean, Jesus probably told these parables more than once, by the way, like preachers do. And, and Luke has a record which is slightly different emphasis. And, and it says those words God wants his house, the, the king wants his house full. And that's the heart of God. He wants his house full. As I told you, he invites the first guest three times. He's not prepared to take no for an answer. He pushes and pushes until he gets a very uh, clear rejection. And then, look at verses 9 and 10, what he moves on to do. 
So the king says, go to the streets, to the street corners, and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Isn't that great? Plenty of room. He wants his house full. He sends out the invitation again and again. He actually seeks and pursues people to have them in his wedding uh, banquet. He, he actually makes an effort. He sends out his servants into the, all the corners and hedge, hedgerows, actually, out into the streets and uh, into the corners, it says there. You know, wherever people were, street corners. And he gathers them in from everywhere, the bad and the good. It's not about whether they perform well or anything. He, he wants people in his house. This is the heart of God. Remember what I started saying. Yes, it's a parable. Yes, it's a picture. But it's a picture of a reality. This is the heart of God. Got it? It's the heart of God. The king wants you at his banquet. Now, there's a little phrase earlier. The king's servants in the first group they go to say, everything is ready, come to the wedding banquet. That's in verse 4. Everything is ready, come to the wedding banquet. I want you to know that, all of you, whether you've already accepted the invitation or not. There's nothing more you need to do to be in God's eternal kingdom and to be at this wonderful, glorious celebration than to accept the invitation. Everything is ready. Everything has been done. He has done all the work, all the preparation. Indeed, He provides the wedding garments, which I haven't got time to explore. But that strange little incident at the end is quite important to understand. A a monarch or a very wealthy person would have provided wedding garments for the guests because they traveled a long way in dusty things. And and it's great. Modern ones, we have to go around for days, don't you, trying to choose what to wear. What should I wear? Well, no, no, you're going to get a wedding garment. And it's provided by the king. He provides the wedding garment. So you don't even have to look good. You get clothes that make you look good as soon as you get there. How amazing is that? That's why the man's failure to wear it in that verse is outrageous. It's rude. It's ridiculous that he was arrogant and dismissive of what the king had provided and thought he could stand there in his own grubby clothes. And he stood out like a sore thumb. So that's another issue. We haven't time to explore it all. But actually, actually, you need to know everything's provided. You can be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Your sins are completely removed. All the failure, all the weakness, all the things that would make you ashamed in the presence of God, they're removed and you're dressed in the white robes of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? In the, in the righteousness of Christ. All the food's provided. Everything's provided. All you need to do is respond to the invitation. The Father is ready. He's done all he can to provide a way for you to come into his presence. The Son has actually, God the Son, Jesus, has actually done the hard work, the seriously hard work. He's died on the cross. He's gone into hell for you. He's risen and victorious. The way is wide open through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is ready to make it real in your life, to actualize it to make your life different, to change you from the inside out. When you put faith in Jesus, you are born again of the Spirit. A change starts, which will go on for eternity. But he makes real in your life all that Jesus has won for you. Everything, everything is ready. Are you ready to accept the invitation? That's the only bit you've got to do. Everything else is ready. 
Now, I'm going to take a moment to explain what I believe is quite important for you to understand. All of you, whatever your situation, we need to understand. We do not start off on the inside with God. We start off on the outside. We have to accept God's invitation to come in. Now, let me explain that a little more carefully. God is certainly not trying to think of ways to keep us out of his presence, but we all start off outside the presence and favor of God. In this sense, we are sinners. We have rebelled. We have not done as we should. We and all other people are in a position of alienation from God. We're on the outside, and God wants to get us on the inside. Let me use a few verses. These are the words of Jesus. They're well known. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The hint behind that is that people are heading for perishing. And God has provided an answer that they shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, the next couple of verses, which will go up now, 17 and 18, spell that out a little more clearly. So the next bit is this, look. For God, this is the same passage, you see that, John 3. For God did not send his son, that's Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Right? Hear that. You need to respond to the invitation because you're not on the inside, naturally, you're on the outside. You are already, because of what you've done and because of who you are and what I've done and who I am, I'm not being personal to you, I'm talking about all of us, you are already at a disadvantage before a holy and just God who created you and to whom you are correctly accountable and answerable. You have turned your back on him, you're rebellious, you failed. But God wants you in his presence, so he's done something about it. But you have to respond to what he's done if you're going to come in. Let's read one more verse from John 3. I only emphasize the same thing. This is verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son, that's like rejecting the invitation, will not see life, for God's wrath remains, remains on him already remains. These words are meaningful. God's worth remains. We are all under the cloud of God's judgment until we find the solution that God has provided in Jesus. He bore your sins in his body on the cross. He died for you. He bore your failures, your sin, your griefs, your sorrows. With his stripes, you are healed. Someone had to pay, he did. And that has opened a door. But if you don't accept his payment, then the debt remains with you. Remains. It's sobering stuff. Don't take your theology from Hollywood films. The default position when we die is not necessarily heaven. It's not heaven. Heaven is not the default position. You know what I mean by Hollywood. Every assumption is that ultimately it's okay. Even for Darth Vader, he ends up happy after he's done. No, no, listen. I'm referring a bit randomly there. <laughs> but listen, don't take that too seriously. But I've distracted you. This is quite an important point. 
the default position is not going to this celebration. You have to accept the invitation. There has to be a solution to the problem that keeps you outside. This is the truth from heaven. That's why the gospel is so important. That's why Jesus is so important. That's why it is so important that you coherently and properly respond to the invitation that God makes to you all. The gospel is sufficient for the all the world, but it only becomes efficient for those who accept the invitation. Get it? It's sufficient for all of you, but it only becomes efficient and works when you accept the invitation. I firmly believe that. I believe that's utterly supportable biblical truth. And that's what we need to understand. So there's a soberness and a a challenge. God has provided for you. God even sends for you. Now you must respond. Now I'm going to pause here and explain what that response, very briefly, That response means every one of you personally, including me, although I've done this, we need to personally respond to God's personal invitation. The Son of God who loved me and died for me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I gladly come to the wedding banquet. I gladly accept the invitation. I come, Father, to you. Now, I'm going to give you a simple prayer that you could pray. If you do pray it this morning in these next couple of minutes, please talk to somebody afterwards. And say you have, just to seal it and settle it in your own spirit. But honestly, let's just be quiet as in a prayerful mode. This is the sort of way you accept the invitation. And you could use words like this. You can use them right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe your invitation to join you and be with you forever is a real one. I know that I have done things wrong and I need forgiving, and I thank you that Jesus has died for me. I thank you you've provided everything I need to be with you and live with you, and I can be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I humbly accept your free gift. I'm so grateful for your invitation to come to your heavenly banquet. I receive you into my life, Lord, now. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to move on to the last one of the ones I want to talk about. A last amazing truth. Again, it's very simple. Number three. The open invitation of the gospel is rejected by many. This is a fact, if you like, of the parable. But it is a startling and amazing truth that people often reject this amazing offer, this free gift of the gospel, this open invitation. In fact, it's so amazing, in the parable terms, I think it's almost a bit daft, So, if, in a sobering sort of way. Let's look at verses 5 and 6 at the rejection that goes on. But they, people who had been invited three times, but they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants and mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army, destroyed those murderers and burned their city. A, A picture of pretty sobering destruction and judgment. But 
which we have to acknowledge is there because these people rejected the invitation. But the point I want to notice is the oddness of rejecting in either of these ways by paying no attention or by seizing the servants and killing them. What an odd reaction to an offer to a free banquet by a king. If you stop and think about it, it's, as I say, almost daft. Why would you turn it down? Why would you not come and enjoy all these wonderful things that have been provided? But incredibly, people do. And this, again, vivid picture has echoes of reality in life. Multiple thousands reject the gospel. In fact, historically and still today, many who bring the good news of this wonderful grace gospel to people are persecuted and even sometimes killed literally like in the parable. Historically, that's all too common. That people who are servants of the King of Kings and are telling people there is an open invitation of total forgiveness, you can be reconciled to God, you can know God as your heavenly Father, you can have an eternal security in His presence, and the result is we'll kill them. We don't like it. Or perhaps more common, maybe in our culture, verse 5, they paid no attention and went off one to his field and another to his business. They paid no attention to this amazing offer. What a shocking indifference. What a shocking rudeness that there's this amazing offer where, as we know, it reflects the sacrifice of Jesus, that God so loved the world he sent his only son to die for us, and yet people say, look, I really don't care. It's not that important to me. I mean, I've got more important things to do, to be honest. I'm busy with my work, my job, my pleasures, my family, my money, my career, whatever, the list goes on. You know, I've got other things to do, actually. They paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. That is sobering, you know. And actually, it's all too close to home, isn't it? I don't know who's here this morning. I don't know everybody. Maybe you've already had two or three opportunities. That's what these people have had, two or three op- invitations. But they, they, in the end, they just said, look, no, I'm just not bothered. Now, the result is quite sobering and serious if you draw some direction from what happens to the guy without the robes on and to what is said about the king here. There is a judgment that, as I said, is already pending. And if you don't find God's answer, then you stay under that pending judgment. So I would really, really appeal to you not to just scare you, but to be realistic. Please don't treat the gospel invitation lightly. Please think it right through. Think why you're rejecting it, what you're doing, because I believe, and I preach this as a person who I believe I'm accountable for what I'm saying this morning before the living God, And it would not be right to say to you, this is easy come, easy go, it doesn't matter what you decide. It matters immensely what you decide. It really matters. If you are offended by that and never come back again, I would rather, not wishing to offend you, I'd rather you understood what I'm saying and reacted negatively than I made it just too cosy. You are not in the banquet until you accept the invitation. The invitation comes repeatedly, but there seems to be a biblical principle that you don't get invited ever and ever and ever. Sometimes God then withdraws. You need to take the opportunity while it's here to accept the invitation. I am appealing to you this morning. If you have heard this gospel before, if you've heard it many times and you never yet personally responded, please respond 
today. I cannot guarantee that God will give you another and another and another. He may well do because he's very gracious. But please respond today. This is a serious thing. There's a serious element to it as well as a joyful element. I want you to be with him forever. Please think about it and, and, and don't dismiss it. Right at the end, there's a funny little verse really, which is another challenge in verse 14. And it talks about many invited and, uh, just don't get it right, and few are chosen. You think, what's that mean? Well, I, I personally think it means this, that the divine call and the human response come together. God really calls you. The Spirit of God really pulls at your heart. There may be even going on this morning. There's a tugging of the Spirit, but your response needs to harmonize with that. The call is real, but the response must be real. And only a genuine response puts you among those chosen for the banquet. I, I'm thinking carefully about this. I, don't dismiss this as many, oh, well, maybe I'm not a chosen. So, but No, no. If you are here this morning and you hear the invitation, you, you need to respond and you are chosen. I cannot cover everybody in the world. God knows them. I don't. But I can cover the people in this room. And I can assure you, if you're hearing the invitation, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that should stop you coming to know Jesus this morning. Your response is all that's needed. Let me close by reading a verse, or half a verse, really, from Revelation. I don't want it on the screen. It's not on the screen, and you don't turn to it. This is Revelation 22 and verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I felt God put that in my heart this morning. I want you to hear it because I believe it's a direct word from God to us. The Spirit and the bride, that's the church actually, the Spirit and the church, me this morning if you like, say come. Let the one who is thirsty come. No other qualification. Let the one who wishes, if you want to, you can come. Take the free gift of the water of life. That is the genuine, genuine open offer of the gospel. Your response is crucial to ensuring that you are the one who is amongst this great company celebrating with the King of Kings throughout eternity. It's not about your moral behavior, the bad as well as the good. It's not about your social status, your race, your, 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 your sex, your uh, age. No ism at all. The only qualification is that you accept the invitation. It's as simple as that. There is one condition, that's that you accept the invitation. Nothing to do with your performance, your life, your status, your class, your age, your race, none of that. But there is a condition that you accept the invitation. Amen? We're going to close there. I'm going to invite the band to come up, and I, I'm going to leave you in their hands and Phil's hands. I think it's a time probably to respond, to reflect. There'll be opportunities to pray uh, with people later. Phil will explain that. But I would encourage you to not leave it, if you've not responded, to not leave it beyond today for you to respond. If you prayed that prayer earlier, that, that's that's the sort of prayer to pray, and if you meant it, you responded. Now, you might just need someone to help you seal that and pray it with you. I encourage you to do that. You could uh, perhaps 
Come along to our Alpha Taster as well. That will help you to understand a little more what's involved. But all you need to do is to put your faith hands out and take the invitation. And if you prayed that with meaning it, you did that. Amen.